In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Over the last few days, and having uh, pondered the um, very untimely repose of the servant of God, uh, Ephraim Ortwine, who unfortunately was embraced by the bosom of Abraham before he even drew a breath in this life, I've been pondering a lot about life, obviously, and when one who reposes, who has not even had an opportunity to have a life, perhaps one of the things that we can think about is those of us who have been blessed with the opportunity to have life, what is a life worth living? What does a life worth living actually look like? When faced again with someone who did not have that opportunity, it gives us an opportunity to be able to say, what does that life, what should that life really look like? And I think that is a beautiful thing for us to be able to ponder and think about, especially as we prepare for for, uh, Great and Holy Pascha as we're in the season of the Triodian. But it's a great thing that our Lord has given us with this gospel reading uh, this particular week. And of course, as I mentioned last week, my hope was to talk about the prayer of St. Ephraim, one section each week, uh, beginning from last week. And I think all of these things tie together because a life worth living is a life that is filled with glorifying God. The epistle ends this morning and it says, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit because they are God's. Those things belong to God. We are created in his image and in his likeness. We were molded and fashioned carefully by our creator. We are called to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits because they are God's. And how do we do that? Well, that's where that second section of the prayer of St. Ephraim and this morning's gospel comes in. And again, if you do not remember the prayer, it's on the back of the, the bulletin this morning. Last week I talked about... The first section, O Lord and Master of my life, take from me the spirit of sloth, meddling, lust of power, and idle talk. And the one for this morning is, but give rather the spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love to your servant. That's a life worth living. One that is filled with chastity, humility, patience, and love. And of course, we need virtue. And that's perhaps one of the first things that we can learn and take from this morning's gospel and this prayer about a life worth living, that it's not only about avoiding sin. The older son in this morning's gospel was very good at that. It said when he came to his father after he noticed that they were all out there making merry and they were celebrating the return of of the the younger brother, his younger brother, he told his father, I've never disobeyed your commandment. I have always avoided sin, he, has, he said to his father. And so he was very good at that first section of the prayer of St. Ephraim. Take from me the spirit of sloth, meddling, lust of power, and idle talk. That older brother was good at not doing any of those things. But that's not enough. In order to live a life that glorifies God in our body and in our spirit, and to live a life that is worth living, we have got to also have virtue. We have got to also do good and holy and righteous things in our life. And that was what that older brother was missing. He didn't get it. 
He didn't have the compassion for his brother. He just thought about, I've checked off all of these boxes and this great big estate is going to be mine when my father is gone. But that was not enough to live a life worth living. The first step is fleeing from sin. Take away from me. But we have to have that second section of the prayer as well. And we entreat God, but give rather. Give to me the virtues. And he singles out four specific virtues that he says that perhaps are the most important ones in that prayer of St. Ephraim. Chastity, humility, patience, and love. Chastity. When we talk about chastity in the Orthodox Church, it's not necessarily only limited to moral or sexual purity. To be chaste is actually to have, uh, to live in chastity is to have all of our actions, all of our, our um, everything that we do to be geared towards God. And that's exactly the opposite of what the younger brother did. He shows us how not to be chaste in his life. And in fact, in the, in the scripture, it says that he wasted his life in loose living, is what we just heard. Sometimes you'll even hear riotous living uh, in different translations. But that's the opposite of chastity, going after our own desires instead of desiring God above all and aiming all of our life towards the fulfillment of him by glorifying God in our bodies, in our chastity. So having all of our life be geared towards an understanding of who God is and attempting to draw closer and closer to him. Live a life worthy to, to, may we live a life that is worthy to, to have been lived by being chaste. Humility. Now, this younger brother might not have been the great example of chastity, at least at first, but he sure becomes the great example of humility for us in this gospel reading. Because humility is more than just a simple saying, I'm sorry. You know, the, the, this younger brother could have written a letter to his father, or he could have realized that he was sinning and doing things that were wrong, correct himself, but then left his family and never really have gone back and told them because uh, shame and vulnerability, the fear of vulnerability would have kept him from doing so. But he shows the real uh, example of humility by being willing to be vulnerable, by being willing to bear that shame. And, and it says in the scripture that he came to himself. He looked at the reality of the life that he was living, which he said wasn't worth it, And he was willing to be vulnerable. He was willing to bear that shame and not just disappear, but to go back to the person who who he had wronged the most and to say that he was sorry. And to, to even throw himself at their feet and say, I'm willing to be your servant. You don't even have to call me your son anymore, even though that is something that he had by his very nature since his birth. He was willing to put all that away because he knew that he had sinned so much. But in his great humility, he showed us exactly what real humility looks like. To be vulnerable and to bear a little bit of that shame and to go back to the person that we have wronged, our Lord. If we sin in our bodies, as we heard, we're meant to glorify God in our bodies. Then we sin against God when we do so. We need to return to him. And that's why confession is so profoundly important. Live a life worth living and be humble. Patience. Patience. Of course, the father in the story is the one who is the picture of pure patience. 
It's amazing. This father, he gives uh, the inheritance due to his younger son, and he lets him go. It doesn't say that he tries to go find him. It doesn't say that he tries to go and convince him and say, you're living a wrong life, you're living a bad life, come back. He was patient. The gospel seems to imply that the father goes about his business, and yet he keeps an eye on that road, knowing, perhaps, and hoping that his son would be able to come back again. He was patient. And, of course, one of the translations for that word patience is long-suffering. He was willing to face the difficulty of the decision of his son, the decision of others, the tragedy in his life, and he faced it with patience and with hope. Live a life worth living and be patient. Be long-suffering. And finally, of course, that last virtue that St. Ephraim mentions is love. And of course, the father in the story is again the great example of what it looks like to be completely loving. When he sees that his son is coming back to him, he doesn't stand there and wait and say, well, it's about time. In his great compassion and in his love, he turns and he runs out to him, embraces him and kisses him. He listens to him. The prodigal is able to give his spiel, I've sinned against you, I'm not worthy to be called your son, accept me as one of your hired servants. But he says, bring out the robe, kill the fatted calf, let us make merry. My son who is dead is now alive, he was lost, and now he is found. He's willing to have compassion and love. It doesn't say that there aren't any consequences, because remember what he tells the older brother when the older brother complains. The father says, look, all of this is still yours implying perhaps the, the other son, he'd already lost that part of his inheritance and he would have to work and continue to build up his life himself. So it's not that love doesn't have any consequences at all, but he shows great love and great compassion on his, on his son. And we are called to live a life worth living ourselves and to forgive and to love. But give rather the spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love. And the last words of that that stanza are, to your servant. The prodigal was willing to be called simply a servant. And we started the prayer of St. Ephraim with, O Lord and Master of my life, we recognize who we are in comparison to God. But the reality is... And the great lesson that we can have, even from the repose of young Ephraim, is that when we live a life worth living, rejecting sin, when we live a life worth living, putting on the virtues, chastity, humility, patience, and love, not only are we accepted as a servant, when we live a life worth living, we are accepted like Ephraim was on Friday when he reposed, as a full child of God, embraced in the bosom of Abraham, even without an opportunity to draw breath in this world. Brothers and sisters, we have that opportunity. Let us not waste it. Let us return to God, live a life worth living, filled with the virtues, chastity, humility, patience, and love. And may we accept our place not only as servants, but as children in the house of our loving God and Father.
Glory to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.